Welcome back to another episode of Oncology for the Inquisitive Mind, Onco Snacks Edition. Today, we're going to be talking about another topical new development in the oncological world, which is bladder cancer. But essentially, we're talking about the management of dermatological events associated with the Nectin 4 directed antibody drug conjugate, the love of my life that's in medicine, evidently, in Fortimab Vedotin. As always, I am joined by my charismatic and lovely co-host who needs a bit of a haircut, but we're not on video, so that's fine. How are, how are you, Michael? I'm good, Josh, and I love your use of the word topical because that in itself is very topical, given that we're talking about dermatological uh, side effects. You know there's going to be some topical agents involved. So many topics to discuss. Uh, yes, that is very true. <laughs> It, we've reached we have reached peak Josh in that he had he now gives puns completely unintentionally. That's it, Mikey. Do you want to talk about the background? Absolutely. Before we go completely off the rails here, so Enfortimab Vedotin is a first in class Nectin four directed antibody drug conjugate that has been approved by the United States FDA for the treatment of patients with locally advanced or metastatic urothelial cancer. The recent EV302 study has provided many updates in this area and specifically a standing ovation at the recent ESMO conference. It has been approved in combination with pembrolizumab for first-line treatment of metastatic urothelial cancer. EV is the only drug to have demonstrated a survival benefit versus chemotherapy in a randomized controlled trial in patients with urothelial cancer. It's for urothelial cancer, guys just in case you didn't know. Michael, I, I think you've said this a dozen times. <laughs> yes. You could also say bladder cancer if you'd like to, to switch it up a bit. But urothelial cancer has more syllables and makes me sound smarter. <laughs> the five-year survival rate for metastatic disease in the US for bladder cancer is at baseline 6.4%, so we're dealing with a nasty cancer. We mentioned the phase 3 EV302 study. We've mentioned it a couple of times, actually. But it improved overall survival and progression-free survival with both statistic and clinically meaningful results. The median overall survival was 31.5 months compared to 16 months in the chemotherapy arm. And the progression-free survival was 12.5 months versus 6.3 months in the chemotherapy arm. Very small hazard ratios here, Josh. Very, very small hazard ratios. And you'd think there'd be very, very small problems, right? But there is issues, well, there are issues associated with this drug. And I might highlight that, if that's okay. Highlight away, Josh. Get your highlight. yellow highlighter out. That's exactly right. So the, the one of the biggest issues, and we've already said this at the start, skin-related adverse events have been reported in 50% of the patients, including three to four severe eruptions in up to 15% of cases. So the development of dermatological events following administration of EV is actually anticipated. And I didn't know this until I started reading around this. This is interesting because it targets Nectin-4. And Nectin-4, the receptor, is actually expressed in epidermal keratinocytes and skin appendages like sweat glands and hair follicles. So, of course, if you've got receptors in other parts of your body and you're giving an antibody drug conjugate that's targeting that, you might get some side effects. There's also rarer side effects, which are life-threatening, including Steven Johnson syndrome and topic epidermal necrosis. Toxic epidermal necrosis not topic epidermal necrosis it's it's a toxic topicalness of 
toxic epidermal necrolysis. That's it. And Michael, if we're treating, you know, with EV302 and Pembro, what, what is the presentation involved? The presentation, I mean, much like any of these sort of uh, antibody drug conjugates, there is a typical presentation of dermatological toxicity with EV. It predominantly and usually involves large skin folds, but can rapidly progress to a more diffuse and potentially life-threatening bullous eruption. So those horrible sort of almost pus or air-filled boils almost with altered general condition and severe biological changes. Some of the symptoms that can present with EV-related dermatitis are pruritus in 33%, a maculopapular rash in 23%. Honestly, Josh, whenever I hear maculopapular, I'm just reminded of that old dermatology joke that a physician calls a rash maculopapular when they don't know how to describe it properly. Dry skin in 22% and a more diffuse rash or a different rash in 10%. The time to onset is generally 0.6 months, so we are talking fairly rapidly. It can be as short as 0.1 months, which is, what's that in days, Josh? That'd be like, I don't know, a week or something. Less, even. It can, But it can be as late as 6.4 months. So particularly given that EV has been now combined with good effect with pembrolizumab, there's going to be some difficulty in differentiating between an EV rash that is delayed or an immunotherapy rash. Tips for monitoring skin reactions. I think that's something that we as clinicians, you know, can't just say hi and bye. You actually need to examine your patients now, especially with EV302. And that includes a complete visual inspection and palpation of the skin across the entire body, looking for the color, texture, morphology, distribution, and extent of the lesions, which should actually be recorded with photos taken for records for yourself and your colleagues, depending if there's a shared care arrangements. You can also grade these based on the CTCAE, which can be used, and we can link that in the description. And the skin should be monitored for secondary skin infections, because the first thing you don't want is this to progressively get worse, where they can no longer have the drug. The second thing is you don't want secondary skin infections or some really, really bad toxicity that they have to wait months to have any other treatment because then you limit anything you can give them. Absolutely. So we can link the CTCAE grading scale for skin reactions in the episode description, but there are any number of apps or online calculators that you can use. It's quite a standard grading system. But Josh, there is a new guideline Uh, that has been suggested from eight European expert dermatologists from France, the Netherlands, Finland, Spain, and Greece, all places in Europe. This was developed between February and April of this year, and it proposes a step-by-step approach for medical oncologists and urologists when dealing with EV toxicity. Unlike the CTCAE, they divided the severity of symptoms into three grades, very inventively named, grade one, two, and three. Grade two is sort of an in-between grading, which we'll talk about right at the end, but we'll focus on grade one and grade three. Grade one is defined as limited exanthema covering less than 10% of the body body surface area, or the BSA, limited to skin folds in the groin, axillae, or elbow with bilateral distribution, but no other local signs of severity, such as blisters, skin detachment, significant pain, or burning sensation. This may or may not include mucous membrane involvement, fever, altered general condition, general wellness of the patient, or unexpected significant biological changes, 
which basically translates to the patient has normal blood tests. You don't need a dermatologist to biopsy in this case, and the infortimab vedodin can be continued at the same dose. So you don't need to interrupt with a mild grade one involvement. The management of these rashes are high-potency betamethasone or very high-potency topical steroids, emollients with or without antihistamines for symptomatic relief, and reassess the patient before the next infusion. That's the easy side, Josh, but what happens when things get bad and patients have what is defined as a grade 3 reaction? You panic and you press the big red button. No, no, you don't. The big red (laughs) button that says dermatologist. That's it. And they come running. These beautiful dermatologists, you know, all all decked out, come running. Actually, they swan in. I think swanning is probably the appropriate term. There's a a scrubs reference there. Yeah. Uh, So grade 3 is defined as... uh, either an exanthema covering more than 10% of the body surface area accompanied by one or more of the dermatological or systemic symptoms previously described for grade one or an extensive rash with erythroderma, which is greater than 90% of the body surface area or a marked and rapid evolving large skin fold involvement with or without blisters or detachment. And they generally recommend a referral to a dermatologist and a skin biopsy is recommended. When we're talking about the greater than 10% plus one other criteria, so things we're thinking of, blisters or skin erosions, mucosal involvement, that can include sort of labia involvement, severe pruritus, fevers greater than 38 degrees, or any sort of blood abnormalities that aren't related to the infortimab, the dotin. So I'm thinking, you know, raised CRP, kidney issues, liver issues, cell count issues. And so these are the things you need to think of because they're probably going to start being unwell. If they've got grade three and you've got blisters coming, I, I would be worried and, and so should you. So they're, what they recommend is actually hospitalization in a case like this. So consider that depending on the severity. They consider systemic corticosteroids as the mainstay of treatment. They've recommended 0.5 to 1 milligram per kilogram per day. And that might change depending on location. That's a good basis to start. And high potency or very high potency topical steroids. So they define high potency as betamethasone and very high potency as clobetazole topical steroids. And different countries might have different names for these, but look it up and we'll, again, Michael and I will link that in the description for you and the article as well, which will be really important. Emollients, plus or minus antihistamines. And, you know, where I work, they always recommend avoiding hot showers, avoid sort of really soapy soaps. When you use barrier creams, don't have any perfumes in it. And at this stage, they want you to permanently discontinue Infortimab Vedotin, probably from a abundancy of caution, given that this is, in their, their case, they're going to say life-threatening. Absolutely. It's nice where basically grade one is keep going and grade three is permanently stop. But what about grade two? This, As we said, this is sort of the in-between grade, I guess, as you probably uh, got from the numbering system here. Michael, but Michael, it's, it, it's, it's the Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> yes, it is the Malcolm in the middle. But grade two is basically any situation not in either grade one or grade three. So people who have a a rash that is covering more than 10% of the body surface area but does not have a dermatological or systemic accompanying symptom, as an example. The way to manage these is you get a dermatological consultation and probably a biopsy. 
You give topical and or systemic steroids depending on clinician's judgment and you temporarily stop EV and they recommend a 20% dose reduction and discussion at a multidisciplinary meeting once the patient has returned to either grade one or their symptoms have completely resolved. A little bit more room for clinical judgment in grade two, the intermediate severity dermatological toxicity, but still something that needs to be very carefully monitored lest it develop into a more severe issue. And Michael, I think one of the other things that we didn't mention is Padsev, which is the, I guess, the, the brand name for Infortimab, the Dotin. The, the parent drug company actually released some slightly different guidelines or management of the skin reactions. And they've gone based more on the classical CTCAE guidelines. And we'll link that one in the description as well. I think the main things that I found is that they've defined grade, their grade three is greater than 30% of the body surface area with associated pruritus. And I quite like the ones we've spoken about because it's actually brought out a lot of the other sort of things you might find when you're, when you're looking at a rash, if there's any bullets, you know, blisters, mucosal involvement, if it's severe. And, and I quite like it's a bit more specific as well. Their grade three, which they define as severe, they've defined to withhold until grade one and then resume at the same dose or considered dose reduction by one level. And I think that's something just to sort of talk about. This is obviously a difference in opinion. And with the grade two, uh, Michael, you probably mentioned this, but they do recommend a dose reduction by at least 20% um, in the summary as well. I did mention that, Josh. Thank you. Very good. I'm just re-mentioning it to make sure everyone remembers that I remembered this as well. (laughs) So there's that. But I think the bottom line, if you're reading between the lines, which we love to do on this show, is that be cautious, you know, start treatment early for steroids. Don't be worried about using topical steroids if you need to, because the bigger picture here is that if they get too severe, you're going to have to stop this treatment anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And because it's such a good treatment, it is the sort of thing that we would want to continue for as long as possible. And so if we can recognise, and that's a big part of this episode, is recognition of the dermatological toxicities or potential toxicities of EV. If you recognise it early, get your patients to recognise it early, then potentially these are patients who can continue on treatment uh, and hopefully reap the benefits of a very exciting new weapon against urothelial cancer, in case that wasn't obviously clear. (laughs) Michael, uh, the only thing more obvious than you saying urothelial cancer is that you have a great sense of humour. This is probably (laughs) our final uh, OncoSnacks episode for the year, so thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to bringing you big and bright and wonderful things in 2024 and we hope you all have a wonderful festive season an incredible time with family friends or and if you're working hopefully it's this year and not next year and you get next year off we can definitely (laughs) sympathize with that we'll see you next year see you next year when we're all older 